It's February the 28th and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, stock markets fall again and Heathrow expansion ruled illegal. First, the world in brief. Global stock markets kept speeding downwards as investors worried about the impact of the COVID-19 epidemic on corporate earnings. America's stock markets suffered their worst day since 2011. Moody's Analytics said the disease had a 40% chance of becoming a pandemic, which would make an American recession likely. Oil prices tumbled on expectations of weak energy demand, prompting Saudi Arabia to push for production cuts. COVID-19 expanded its reach. South Korea's tally of coronavirus infections exceeded 2,000, thanks in part to widespread testing. Italy reported over 200 new cases and three European countries reported infections for the first time. An Italian patient in Nigeria became the first reported case in sub-Saharan Africa. Iran cancelled Friday prayers in mosques in big cities. A Japanese woman may have caught the virus twice, suggesting those who recover are not necessarily immune. Japan closed all its schools until the end of March. An airstrike against the Turkish army in northern Syria killed at least 33 troops. Russia, an ally to Bashar al-Assad's Syrian government, controls the airspace, but Turkey refrained from blaming it. Instead, the Turks said they were retaliating against Syrian positions. And in anticipation of an enormous new wave of refugees, Turkey will resume letting the 3.7 million refugees already there migrate into the EU. Iraq's parliament failed to form a new government for want of a quorum. Politicians had been set to approve a new cabinet proposed by the current Prime Minister Mohammad Taufik Alawi. However, his opponents boycotted the vote. The Prime Minister is seen as part of a ruling elite that demonstrators have been protesting against in cities across Iraq since October. Britain's Court of Appeal ruled that expansion plans for a new third runway at London's Heathrow Airport are illegal. The court said ministers had not adequately taken into account the government's climate change commitments in the Paris Agreement of 2016. It is the world's first major ruling based on the accord. The government said it will not appeal against the decision. DoorDash announced that it has filed for an initial public offering. The American food delivery startup was valued at close to $13 billion at its last funding round in November 2019. The company faces stiff competition from a swath of app-based home delivery rivals, including Uber Eats, Grubhub and Postmates. And shares in WPP tumbled by the most in a day for almost three decades after it revealed a bigger decline in revenues than expected in the final quarter of 2019. The British company, founded in 1971 as Wire and Plastic Products, is now the world's largest advertising firm. It said sales will continue to fall this year due to slower corporate spending and the spread of COVID-19. And now, here's today's agenda. Doing the Charleston, South Carolina's primary. Democrats in South Carolina will cast their votes on Saturday. 
Joe Biden's national polling lead has vanished over the past couple of months, but he maintains a healthy lead in the state ahead of his nearest rival, Bernie Sanders. Mr. Biden enjoys enduring relationships among South Carolina's majority African-American Democratic electorate, as well as broader goodwill from his time as Barack Obama's vice president. On Wednesday, he picked up the endorsement of James Clyburn, the House Majority Whip and the state's most powerful Democrat. If Mr. Biden triumphs, it would be his first state victory, not just this cycle, but in all three of his presidential runs. Whether a win will rejuvenate his campaign, however, is unclear. Super Tuesday, when 16 states and territories vote and one-third of delegates will be awarded, comes just four days later. Mr. Sanders is ahead in California, the day's biggest prize, where voters have been casting ballots for weeks. The Real Deal – Peace in Afghanistan Afghan politics and optimism tend not to go hand in hand, so the quiet anticipation of recent days has been striking. America and the Taliban are due to sign a peace deal on February 29th after fighting one another for more than 18 years. It has been previewed by a week-long reduction in violence to show both sides are serious. Each seems to be sticking to it. Clashes appear to have fallen by around 90%. If that continues, the signing will go ahead in Qatar. Under the agreement, America will quickly reduce its troops in Afghanistan from 12,000 to about 8,600. The Taliban will promise not to shelter terrorists and to begin negotiations with the Afghan government and other power brokers on how Afghanistan should be run. Further American troop reductions are expected if the deal holds. Forging a political agreement will be difficult. Whatever happens next, Afghans welcome the current respite. Shale Fragments – Occidental's Earnings Occidental, an oil and gas firm betting on American shale, will present its earnings to investors today. Last year, the firm bought rival Anadarko, a company with rich holdings in Texas, in a deal worth $55 billion. The motley shale industry is in need of consolidation, but investors nonetheless pummeled Occidental. The deal seemed overpriced for a sector that has historically boasted fast growth and slim profits. Carl Icahn, an activist investor, is waging a proxy fight and says Occidental grossly overpaid. Occidental is therefore keen to show the merger's benefits, which include lower costs and operational improvements. But investors' skepticism of shale remains, and with reason. The number of North American oil and gas bankruptcies jumped 50% in 2019. An analysis of public shale oil companies by Rystad, an energy data firm, found that just 23% of them were generating enough cash flow to cover their capital spending in the third quarter of last year. Low oil prices from economic uncertainty, ample production and COVID-19 have not helped. Knocked for six, India's economy. When Indians elected Narendra Modi as Prime Minister in 2014, many expected him to galvanise the country's economy yet antagonise its Muslim minority. Nearly a year after his re-election, only one of those expectations stands fulfilled. Mr Modi has clamped down on Kashmir and his revised citizenship rules have dismayed many Muslims. Protests against them met a brutal backlash this week. But Mr Modi's economic reforms have failed to bolster growth, which has slowed for six quarters in a row. Today's GDP figures will reveal whether that streak came to an end in the last three months of 2019. 
There are grounds for hope, strong government spending, interest rate cuts and a trade balance improvement. But other indicators such as car sales and electricity generation remain weak. Recently revised statistics suggest that economic growth in the past fiscal year ending March 2019 was worse than estimated. The future may improve, but the past can sometimes get worse. Presidential Politics, Uruguay and Argentina This weekend, Uruguay will change government for the first time in 15 years, with Conservative President Luis Lacalle Pou taking power from the leftist broad front. He has pointedly not invited the heads of state from Cuba, Nicaragua and Venezuela to his inauguration on Sunday, saying they are not full democracies. He has also signalled that Uruguay will use its traditionally independent voice to oppose such regimes. The hope had been that Argentina's president, Alberto Fernandez, who campaigned for Mr. Lacalle Pou's opponent, would attend and start to mend fences with another guest, Brazil's president Jair Bolsonaro, after recent public spats. But Mr. Fernandez would prefer to stay home. On the same day, he will open this year's session of Argentina's Congress. There, he will become the first Argentine president to issue a call to legalize abortion, which remains a deeply controversial issue in the region and is opposed by the Pope, himself an Argentinian. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Henry James, who passed away on this day in 1916. Three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind, the second is to be kind, and the third is to be kind. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.